Blog Talk Radio. Hi everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for over 11 years now, we've been asking the franchipreneurs of Walmart. I'm your host, Marty McDermott. I'm the president of Franchise Interviews, and we have a great show this evening. We're meeting with Warren Gretius, and Warren Gretius is one of the top motivational speakers in the world. So we start our interview discussing entrepreneurship, and next, Warren discusses 16 rock-solid rules for achieving sales success. And then lastly, if you want your employees to perform at their best, then you need to be the best manager ever, someone who can inspire and motivate your staff. We're going to talk to Warren about that in his book, The Best Damn Management Book Ever. And that's coming right up on Franchise Interviews. So stick around because we have a great show. for you and your family as an Aaron's sales and lease ownership franchisee. Aaron's is changing the way a growing and underserved market acquires necessities like furniture, appliances, electronics, and computers. The Aaron's franchise opportunity offers today's entrepreneurs you potential for profits and growth. Aaron's sales and lease ownership is a division of Aaron's Rents Incorporated, a New York stock exchange listed company with more than 50 years of enviable results. Aaron's is ranked number one in its category by Entrepreneur Magazine and 58th among franchise chains in worldwide sales by Franchise Times Magazine. Aaron's provides site selection assistance, comprehensive training, and traffic building marketing programs. Additionally, as a franchisee, you'll benefit from their national reputation, industry experience, operating systems, and manufacturing and distribution methods. For more information on the Aaron's franchise opportunity, call 1-800-551-6015. That's 1-800-551-6015. Or go to aaronsfranchise.com. That's double A-R-O-N-S franchise.com. interviews, asking the entrepreneur who owns one. I'm your host, Marty McDermott, with my co-host, Don Johnson. And if you've ever dreamed about owning your own business, then this is a show to listen to. And today's show is being brought to you by the Aaron Sales and Lease Franchise Opportunity. And Aaron's is a New York Stock Exchange listed company and ranked number 58 among franchise chains and worldwide sales. Aaron's is reinventing the way a growing and underserved market acquires furniture, electronics, appliances, and computers. Now's a great time to join the Aaron's franchise family. And today we're welcoming back a very special guest, Warren Gretius. And last time we met with Warren was back in April, and we spoke about sales and success. And this time we're going to be focusing more on entrepreneurship. Good morning, Warren. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Marty. How are you doing today? Good. I'm doing well, Warren. It's great to have you back. I have to apologize. We were having some uh, technical difficulties this morning, but uh, Big problem. I guess you're no stranger to radio either. I know that. No. So. <laughs> Yeah, and Warren, again, you remember uh, my uh, co-host, Don Johnson. Yeah, Don, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing fine, Warren. Love John Miami, buddy. How's your summer going, Warren, all right? My summer's going great. 
Yeah, you get down to the Jersey Shore at all, or you're sticking more up in New York? No, I'm, I'm in North Carolina, guys. That's oh, right. You're still down in North Carolina. Yeah, I've been That's down right, here yeah. 10 years now. This month is 10 years I'm down in North Isn't Carolina. Really 10 years, Warren? Yeah, 10 That's years. Actually, I was at the Outer Banks this uh, summer for about a week. That's oh, that fantastic. That was oh, really geez. nice. And been doing a lot of traveling. I've been very busy, a lot of speaking engagements. Oh, that's something. That's fantastic. Warren, I was just happy to have you back. You know, last time we had you on the show, we focused a lot on sales. And, you know, this time I wanted to uh, talk or have you talk a little bit more about, like, entrepreneurship or advice to aspiring entrepreneurs. The first time I was ever introduced to you, Warren, or, or heard of you, you were talking about entrepreneurship. And I was very impressed because you gave a lot of practical advice that a lot of other guests that have been on our show don't really talk about. You know, so I thought we'd kind of start off with maybe, you know, you could talk a little bit about, you know, how long you've been in your own business, because you've been doing this a while now, too. Yes, I have. I've been in my own business now for over 21 years. March, March 1986, I started my business, so it's a little more than 21 years now. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's great. And you've loved every year of it, right? I have. uh, Let me tell you something. Uh, My son is 19 going on 20. I keep telling him, Michael... The, the, the only way to go is to start your own business, because, uh, no offense, guys, but I never worked for anybody who wasn't a cheap you-know-what. <laughs> right. <laughs> there you go. That's something. What prompted you to go into your own business, Warren? Was it your family? It sounded like your family had, you know, some influence as far as, you know, you could spend more time at home. and. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny, guys, but, but one of the biggest mistakes that, that would-be business owners make is they do it because of the money. Right. And i got to tell you something. That is the worst reason to go into your own business. I agree. Because as anybody who's ever started a business knows, money is the last thing that comes. That's true. And so if you're in it for the money, what are you going to do in those first few years when there ain't any? And believe me, in my, I, I had that too. I mean, I went into the business for a number of reasons. First of all, like you said, the freedom. You know, you, you know it's funny. Everybody says the same thing. We all want the freedom. You know, my, my thing was I'm a big baseball fan, and I, and I, you know, I said I said to myself, I want if I want to go to opening day and just say the hell with it. I'm not going to work that day. I'm going to opening day. I don't have to ask any boss if I got to go. Well, ask me how many opening days I've been to in the last 21 years. <laughs> I, there you go. I've been to one, and I got to tell you something. But I can go if I want to. Exactly, right. and, and, and so, nice so part of it was the freedom. The other thing was. You know, I wanted to go into my own business. I wanted to be a speaker, and I really felt I had something to say. And I really felt that I could help people, and I really felt that people really needed to, what, to hear what I had to say. And I just figured the only way I was going to do it on my terms was to do my own business. And, and so, you know, I, that, that's, that's, that's the two biggest reasons I did it, for the freedom, you know, that, that I could live anywhere I wanted to live, do, you know, in, in any lifestyle I wanted to live, and the fact that I really felt I had something to say and that people really needed to hear it, and I wanted to make sure they got it the way, they, the way I intended them to hear it. Okay. I mean, you that's a great Warren. attitude, Warren, uh, you, know, to, you know, the ability to you want to help people. Yes. Right. And... You know, uh, I mean, that's kind of, you know, being the, me being in the financing business, I, I try to always just forget about the money aspect of it. I, I, you know, I get more of a high hearing of just, you know, people saying thank you so much, people who were turned down from other lenders, and we helped them to create their dream, at least have a small part of it, get in the financing. I like that part of it. I try to forget about the money, well, just help right. people. You know, the money will fall into place. and. Um, and uh, but your two things are keying in on freedom and helping people. I mean, those are just uh, well. The fact of the matter is, guys, and I know I talked about sales last time, but the most successful salespeople do not sell; they help. 
Right. Absolutely. They help. You know, like you just said, hey, if you help your clients to become financially independent, well, you know what the, you know what the offshoot of that is? You make money. Exactly. Money is a byproduct of your action. That's all it is. If your goal is to make a lot of money, then, then don't go into your own business. But, but if your goal is all those other things, if it, all the right reasons for going into business, the money will come. Right. I remember, you know, listening to you talk one time, too, Warren. You said at that time of your life, you know, going back to, like, 1986, right. you weren't really afraid to go into your own business like a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs. You know, they're very trepidatious about doing something like this. You mentioned that it seemed it just seemed like the right thing to do, kind of like probably when you met your wife. You just knew that she was the one, you know. And, and That's right. You know, it's funny, boy, you've got a great memory, because that's exactly <laughs> what I said. It just seemed like the right thing to do. It was right at the time. And, and, but the other thing I had that a lot of people, unfortunately, don't have is I had unlimited, undying, no-holds-barred support at home. Right. You know, I love to tell the story so that when I decided to go into my own business, I came home, and I said to my wife, I've decided I want to start my own business. Now, you know, a lot of wives, a lot of spouses would say, are you sure this is the right time? Or, or you know, do we have the money? Or can we afford to do this? You know, and, and they throw out a lot of, you know, devil's advocate type of questions. All my wife did was turn to me and say, well, it's about damn time. Right, absolutely. And, and you were still a relatively you know, young guy, Warren. Weren't you in your late 20s, early 30s at the time? Uh, yes. At the, no, actually, actually, I was 35 years old. Okay. I was 35 years old. Well, not quite 30. I, just, I was almost 30, 34 going on 35. But, you know, uh, my wife was pre- my Well, my wife wasn't pregnant yet, but I had been married only a few years. And let's see, about um, less than a year into my business, my wife was pregnant with our first child. That's fantastic. At that so point, my- you already had so much... Uh, you know, success and experience because we know you start out right. in the Garmic District, New York City at age 24. Right. You were mm-hmm. uh, starting out doing well, 27, running the whole company. So, right. you know, your normal person doesn't have that much, um, um, you know, experience and, and success at your age. So by the time you're in your mid-30s, I mean, you're probably like equivalent to somebody in like your mid-40s or 50. Well, yeah, you know, you could say that. I, you know, the good thing that I have as I look back on it is I worked for small companies. Yeah. Right. So starting a small business was a little easier for me because I not only worked for small companies, but as a young man, I ran a small business. Right. I ran like a two, three million dollar manufacturing company. And you know, when you're running a small company, when you work for a small company, and I tried to impart this on my son. So when you work for a small company, you know, you get to do everything. Right, I agree. You know, when you're working for a large corporation, your job de- description is very narrowly defined. You know, my, my, my son took a year off from college recently, and, and, you know, he's had part-time jobs and things like that. He worked for a large insurance agent and things like that, but he had his best job ever in the past year. He worked delivering pizzas for a local pizza place, and he just yeah. wasn't a delivery boy. He learned everything about the business. I mean, he was, the owner liked him so much, he was teaching him all about the business, and, and my son learned about things like cash flow and overhead right. and stuff like that. Stuff I learned working working in a small business, working in a small manufacturing company. You know, when you work at a large corporation, you know, I always say the difference between a large corporation and a small business is this. When you work at a large corporation and you need paper clips, you go to the closet, you go to the supply closet, and you grab a box. When you're a small business owner and you're walking down the street and you see a paper clip on the sidewalk, you pick it up and you put it in your box. <laughs> Being resourceful, absolutely. Because that's, that's one less thing you've got to buy. 
Exactly. That's a great story you, you told about your son, too, uh, Warren. You know, I mean, we had someone on our show. It was about, I would say it was about six months ago. I don't know if you remember this, Don. Uh, Dwayne Northrop, and he started off, I think it was as a pizza delivery boy, and today he owns a franchise called Garlic Gyms, Warren, you know, and he just... Yes, I've uh, heard of Garlic Gyms. He, yeah, he learned everything about that business, you know, just just like your son did, you know, and yeah. uh, I, I, I agree with Warren, Marty. You have a great memory. You do. Oh, thank you. you do. And, and, you know, before I started my speaking business, I worked for two years as the head of sales and marketing for a training and consulting company that was doing seminars and talks and things like that. And I learned everything about that business before I started my own. Exactly. And you can see, too, Warren, you know, you know when I watch you on your, you know, your presentations, I mean, you're truly doing something that you love to do, you know. And, and, and we had a guest on our show last week, um, John Hewitt. He's the founder of Liberty Tax Service and Hewitt Tax Service. And, you know, he says that he, he, he looks forward to Mondays, Warren. You know, he can't wait mm-hmm. for Monday to come, you know, where most people, you know, are looking forward to Friday. You know, he just I, – so I, 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 I can see you're truly doing what you love to do, which is probably, you know, the reason for your tremendous success. Well, you know, hey, listen, look what I do. I can fly. People pay me to fly all over the world and say anything I feel like saying. Right. When I was a kid, you you get beat up for doing that. Uh, I I was just going to say, Warren, at the same time, you know that that you're helping people. If if, if someone who's paying to hear you speak and just walk away with one... You know, one positive thing, right. something that they didn't think of, something that can they, they can take back to their business and, and help them. I'm sure a lot of things you say they'll, you know, remember a lot of things. Uh, uh, but if they can just take one thing back to their business Absolutely. that can help them, it was well worth it. And hey, I listen, guess that makes you feel happy about it. Hey, that. you guys know as much as I do. You know, it's a great feeling when you can make a positive impact on somebody else's life. Right. Absolutely, I agree. Yeah, we've uh, had on the show a couple of companies, uh, franchises that are business coaching franchises. Mm. And, right. um, you know, they they just go in and, you know, will help a business owner sometimes get set in their ways or they don't look beyond, you know, they get kind of caught in their own little box and situation for years. Uh, you always need somebody to help you out. You can never have enough information and, um, and listen to someone like yourself, Warren. Uh, you know, next question is, what are some good reasons for aspiring entrepreneurs to go into uh, their own business? You talked about a couple things, freedom, helping people. What are some other reasons uh, you feel, Warren? Well, I... Well, I think I think I, I think that you know the biggest reasons are you know you really you really feel you have you have something to give you really you know this is something you really want to do it's something you enjoy doing mm-hmm. it's something you know something about uh, you know I, I just you know too many people say you know I'm looking for a business to go in I'm going into this business because I think you can make a lot of money you know, right. I, I think the people that go into their own business that are successful at it really have a passion for it. And, and I guess a bad reason would be if, you know, someone thinking too much about the money. And, and Absolutely. I mean, you know, hey, hey yeah, even, even in a franchise situation, if you're looking for a franchise, it's got to be something that, you know, let, you know if you're going to open your own business, there's no 50% commitment. Right. This is a 100% commitment. You've got to be willing to lay it all on the line. You've got to be willing to go broke. Exactly. You know, what are you willing to go broke for? What are you willing to risk everything for? You know, is it, and is this something, if you don't have the passion for this, because let me tell you something, it's a 24-hour a day, seven-day, it's a 24-7 job, okay? Your business is your life, and your life is your business, especially at the beginning. If you're not willing to put it, you know, it's that commitment, it's that passion, it's that thing that you really enjoy that's going to that's gonna give you the motivation to put in those hours, you know, if, if, right. if it's just something that you're doing because you think this type of business can make money, I don't think you're going to have the passion to be there 24-7. I think exactly. you're right about the 24 hours. I know when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I think about, I just start thinking about business. 
what so I got to do that about it. The first five years I was in business, I did not take a vacation unless a client was going to pay for me and my wife to be at some place. Uh, are you being honest with us, Warren? I am being totally honest with you. I did not take a vacation. We did not have living room furniture for about two years because that was my office. And so, you know, we, I, I risked everything. We did not eat out. We, we, we sacrificed. So it's what are you willing to sacrifice your lifestyle for? What are you willing to go to the mat for? What are you willing to risk everything for? I mean, there, there were times in my business when my wife and I would sit around and joke, and my wife would say, um, with the money we have now, if, we don't, if you don't get another speech for the rest of your life, how much longer can we exist? Right. And I'd say, well, it's, it's July 1st now. I think we can make it to October 15th. Right. Okay. And, and, and you know, it, what, so that's, that's the reason. Okay, there you go. If, you, if this is not something that you absolutely, you know, find something you love doing, do it all the time, even if you've got to give it away for nothing. I think it's easier today, too, Warren. You know, I mean, it, you know, back in 1986 when you, you started your own business, it had to be a lot more difficult compared to 2007, you know, where oh. today you have the ability to work from home. You have everything, you know. So in 1906, it, 1986, it had to be uh, a challenge for you as well, you know. Oh, it, you know, it was more expensive. Exactly. Think about it. I mean, just my phone bill back then, long-distance calls. Now, I don't pay for long-distance calls. I use my cell phone or I use Skype. Absolutely. And, and communication's much easier. Communica- I know my business with email and cell phone, I don't know what I would do without it. Guys, you know how much money I save on printing and duplicating of videos? I no longer send out videos. I no longer send out press kits. I just tell them, go to these websites. Right. That's fantastic. My video is online. My web- I have three websites that they can go to for information on me. I-, I used to send out a press kit that would cost me about 10 to $15, not including postage and shipping, every time I shipped it out. Right. That's I haven't shipped out a press kit in ages. I don't need right. a press kit. I got a website. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's amazing what you can do now with tech. Not with tech. Hey, you know, I podcast for six hundred right. for an investment of six hundred dollars. I can now broadcast all over the world right from my office, and we turn that podcast into a business where we sell podcasts now to our corporate clients. It's it, it's just like the show, Warren. Marty's in PA. I'm in New Jersey. You're yeah. down in North Carolina. This is this is how we do the show. It, it's it's just beautiful. Technology and the low cost of technology has made it easier than ever for the small business to look like a big business. Absolutely, right. you have no excuse. But one other thing I want to tell your audience: one of the things that allowed me to start my own business was that when I was working, I always saved my money. Right. Always have, I'm going to use an expression here that we got from the Garmin Center, always have what I call FU money. Right. Always have that. See, if you save your money, you will always have the freedom to do this. Right, absolutely. You know, and, and, and you mentioned, too, Warren, you know, in, in, invest in good things. In, investing in your business is okay, but investing in, like, a, a Jaguar or a fancy oh. dinner or vacations is, 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 is a waste. Did I have credit card debt in the first five years I was in business? Yes. But not a single penny of that credit card debt was stupid debt. It was good debt. Right. It was good debt. It was, it was debt because I was investing in my business, whether it was producing a, a demonstration video, whether it was uh, you know, p- printing costs for, for materials that I needed to send out for promotional materials. It wasn't because my wife and I were eating out five times a week. It wasn't because we were taking ridiculous vacations we shouldn't have been taking. It wasn't stupid debt. Exactly. And, and, and you've taken that same mentality all the way till today, even though with your success and all the money you've made, I'm, I'm sure you advertise as, you know, as much as ever. Oh, absolutely. In a different way. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, and, you know, we promote more than ever now, and, um, and I still don't have stupid debt. I don't have any debt anymore. 
but right. and I still don't believe in 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 credit card debt. That's the stupidest debt you can have. I mean, come on, Don, you're a financial guy. You know. I mean, what you want? <laughs> you want to? I, I mean, the credit card rates are like I can get better rates from a guy on the corner named Vito. Yeah, there you go. There's, there's a lot of people finance a lot of their stuff, cars through credit card, and you know, and even though they're getting this great rate, the bottom line is lenders don't like it when people have a lot of high credit card debt. No, no. How many I mean, people you know, have debt? I'm always reviewing personal financial statements. It's incredible what I see out there. How much debt oh. people take on uh, across the board, just not their mortgage, their home equity. They, uh, they don't think if you're going to go into your own business, get rid of your debt. Get, save your money. Don't even start your own business until you've got some sort of money socked away. You know, my ability to save money enabled us to really make it through the tough years, and I'll tell you why. I started my business in 1986, like I told you. My wife was still working at the time, and she was making pretty good money back then. And we knew we wanted to start a family. So what we did was my first year in business, I mean, I, I, you know how many speeches I gave my first year in business? I gave something like 230 speeches. My God! You know how many speeches that I mean? I was it didn't, my marketing plan was simple. I will speak anywhere, anytime, any place, on any topic for any price. Even if you don't want to pay me, I'll still show up. Right, right. And, and I spoke over two hundred and thirty, about two hundred and thirty times. I, I didn't get paid for all of those speeches, but I created a lot of exposure for myself. Whatever money I brought in, whatever, because my wife was also working, we socked away a ton of money because we knew that once my wife gave birth, she was going to quit her job. And imagine. The only one supporting us was a business that was open a little more than a year. Exactly. And I'm sure a lot of those times, Warren, you weren't feeling well, sick, uh, down about something, just whatever life brought on, worries mm -hmm. about your wife or pregnancy, whatever. I mean, I mean, yeah, I'm sure you have a lot of stories about all the times you had to go give a speech. Sometimes when you weren't, you know, maybe making, uh, you know, minimal money. Oh. You weren't 100 percent on your game. Oh, listen, you got no choice. Yeah. You got to do it. I mean, the the, the top. The top professional athletes in the world, you think they're up for every single game? Right. They're, exactly. they're nicked up, right. But they go out there and they do it. You've got to do it. I mean, you make a commitment to somebody that says you're going to deliver a speech, even if you're not getting paid, you've got to give that speech with the same commitment that you give a speech you're getting paid you know, thousands of dollars for. Right. Because right, you made the commitment. And you want to know something? On the days when you don't feel like being there and you do it to the best of your ability, that's the day when there's the next great client sitting in the audience. Exactly. And so you do it. You go out there and you do it. But we socked away in that one year. We socked away between the two of us over twenty thousand dollars, which gave us the cushion to make it through the next year when my son was born and my wife wasn't working. Exactly. Warren, are you able to stick around for another segment? Absolutely. That's fantastic. So we'll be right back with more franchise interviews. Um. Do you have a talent for communicating business advice? Are you looking to control your work-life balance? Have you earned a six-figure income in the corporate world yet dreamed of being your own boss? Would helping local business owners solve problems, seize opportunities, and plan strategically give you great satisfaction? If so, the Alternative Board could be the meaningful and rewarding professional challenge you've been searching for. The Alternative Board, also known as TAB, is the world's largest franchiser of peer advisory boards and business coaching. We are currently seeking qualified entrepreneurs, business consultants, and corporate executives who have at least 10 years of senior-level business experience. As a franchise owner with the Alternative Board, you will chair monthly board meetings and provide executive coaching to CEOs, presidents, and owners of local businesses. You can share your business knowledge to help community business leaders achieve their vision of success. 
In addition to earning a consistent income from monthly membership dues, you also have the potential to start or expand consulting opportunities. Explore how you can apply your business expertise and give back to your community with TAB. Please visit our website at www.tabboards.com. That's T-A-B-B-O-A-R-D-S dot com. Or you can call 1-800-727-0126. That's 1-800-727-0126. Do what you enjoy and enjoy what you do with the Alternative Board. Ready for a great tasting dessert that's much better for you and your kids? Try the Miami Rice Pudding Company. Miami Rice Pudding Company offers over 35 flavors of rice pudding delivered in cups or cones with a customer's choice of toppings. This unbelievable franchise opportunity is introducing this great dessert concept to the malls, airports, art shows, and similar venues in your market. Miami Rice Pudding's goal is to help franchisees bring the healthy joy of flavored rice pudding to the world. Join our franchise system in opening your market with a low investment and operate both the fixed location and mobile units. Our system requires minimal food preparation and our pudding has a long shelf life. Mall chains are eager for us to expand to their locations because we're unique, competitive, nutritious, and a fun concept. Call us today, toll free at 1-866-6-EAT-RICE. That's 1-866-6-EAT-RICE. Or go to our website at MiamiRicePudding.com. That's MiamiRicePudding.com. Tap into a $41 billion a year industry with Garlic Gyms. Did you know Americans eat about 100 acres of pizza every single day or about 350 slices per second? Garlic Gyms has spent years looking high and low for a higher quality pizza that is delivered quick enough so that you're still hungry when it arrives. Garlic Gyms makes the most delicious gourmet pizza and at the same time provides excellent and fast service to your door. Garlic Gyms has perfected the science of prompt pizza delivery by learning and experimenting. The exciting twist to this is great pizza. Never again will you have to choose between great pizza and great service. Are you interested in owning a Garlic Gyms? We're currently accepting applications to participate in our exciting world of gourmet pizza delivery and carryout. Talk to us and find out how we sold nearly 100 franchises in six states in our first two and a half years of operation. To get started right away, go to www.garlicgyms.com. That's www.garlicgyms.com. Or call us, 425-918-1900. That's 425-918-1900. Garlic Gyms. Oh, good day, mate. Want to explore owning your own business? Yearn for the adventure of being the first in a new concept? Oh, you'll go positively ape over a Jungle Quest franchise. Beyond bouncing balls and inflatables, it's an indoor rock climbing and challenge course for kids. For ages 2 to 12, the center features zip lines, Burma bridges, swings, rock walls, tree houses, and tunnels. For 12 years, Jungle Quest has served 30,000 explorers with drop-ins and birthday parties, field trips, and camps. Now available as a franchise. Go to JungleQuest.net for more information. That's JungleQuest.net.
Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Franchise Interviews, Asking the Entrepreneur Who Owns One. I'm your host, Marty McDermott, with my co-host, Don Johnson. And if you've ever dreamed about owning your own business, then this is a show to listen to. And today, we're with our very special guest, Warren Gresh's. And, uh, Don, I think you're up. I think uh, we wanted to uh, talk to Warren about uh, a little bit more about entrepreneurship and, uh, like, insurance and things like that. Yeah, uh, Warren... Uh, yeah. one, one of the areas you address when talking about entrepreneurship is the importance of disability insurance, uh, health savings accounts, and health insurance. Uh, I know my father-in-law was in the, uh, had his own um, insurance business in New York City, and, um, and he always talked about the importance of disability insurance. So maybe talk about those couple things a little bit for entrepreneurship. Absolutely. You know, the, the, the thing about disability insurance, a couple of things about it. First, it's a must. It must if you're going to own your own business. Remember, one, one of the big problems with owning your own business as opposed to working for a company is that you don't have a safety net. You know, when you work for somebody else, when you, especially when you work for a large company, they're going to supply you with health insurance. They're going to supply you with disability policy. They're also probably going to supply you with a small life insurance policy. But the second you leave that company, all that stuff is gone. And you're really going to need that disability insurance. And God forbid something happens to you and you're unable to work. Essentially, you're out of business. Well, disability insurance is going to give you an income. Now, remember something about disability insurance. Here's the important thing to remember. You cannot get disability insurance if you do not already have an income. And if you're first starting your own business, you're not going to have an income. So what I did was I knew I was going to go into my own business. So while I was working for somebody else and was making an income, I started buying disability insurance. Right. So while you're working, you must, you know, the whole thing about starting a business, if you're not planning ahead before you get into that business, don't go into business. You know, that's why I saved my money. That's why I bought disability insurance. I had disability insurance when I went into business because I knew once I started for the first few years, I wasn't going to be able to buy any more because I didn't have an income. I wasn't paying myself. Right, right, right. Now, so, so when you're working, buy as much as you buy. If you know you're going to go into your own business, if you have any desire or plans to do it, buy as much as you can. You know, insurance companies will only give you as much as your income allows. You know, you can't buy as much as you want. They, they judge it according to the amount of income you have coming in. Now, once my speaking business started to take off, and my, every time my income rose, I bought more disability insurance. Right. I got a ton of disability insurance. God forbid anything ever happens to me, I've got a nice income coming in every single month. Now, once I hit 65, uh, I'm not going to need it anymore. Uh, and they're not going to give it to me anymore either. Uh, the other thing about health savings accounts, you know, as a small business owner, uh, you, you're going to get really destroyed by health insurance. The premiums are, are, are monstrous. The right. costs are ridiculous. But you've got to have it. You can't afford to get sick. And you can't afford to let hospital and doctor bills put you out of business. Right. For, for years, I had uh, health accounts, uh, health insurance that were killing me. But, you know, when the health savings accounts came out, I realized and I went to somebody, you know, I always had a good insurance agent. That's another thing. You know, there's a lot of things you should skimp on as a small business owner. Watch your pennies. Watch your, watch your overhead. You know, things like long-distance telephones, you know, cell phone, plan, you know, all that sort of stuff. You know, overhead. Watch it. But the one thing you don't want to skimp on is expert advice. You've got to have a good lawyer, a good accountant, and a good insurance agent. You know, those people... Don't worry about paying them. You, you know, if you're going to, don't say, don't look to skimp on an accountant, a lawyer, or an insurance agent because you're going to end up with a crummy one. And a crummy one is going to cost you more than what you're paying out. 
So get good people. I have a great agent, and, and he advised me on the health savings accounts, found me someone to work with, and now I have a health savings account for my business. You know, it's a low premium, high deductible plan with great tax deductibility in it. It's the greatest tool for a very small business, and, and I, I'm a big believer in that. You should also have life insurance. You know, when, when you're in your own business, you want to protect your family, you need life insurance. But, but I cannot emphasize enough planning ahead and buying disability while you're still working and making a good income before you start your business because then at least you're giving yourself some sort of safety net. Don't allow catastrophic things beyond your control to put you out of business. Right. Such an important uh, point you bring up, especially something like disability insurance. No one's going to think of that. You know, no one thinks of themselves as getting sick. Everyone's trying to stay positive, starting a new business. But you, you know, got to set yourself up across the board, starting a business. Just not things like this. Putting together a business plan and sure. ca- calculating how long you can go. Uh, you know, before you make a salary. And, and, and I'll tell you something: you're more likely to get hurt than you are to die. Sure. Right. Absolutely. So disability insurance is very important. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it, that's what my father-in-law told me. It's it's. it's just as important, if not more, than having life insurance. Absolutely, and I have both. I, I mean, I've, I spend a big part. I spend a lot of overhead every year on insurance: life insurance, disability insurance, long-term care insurance, health insurance, uh, li- liability insurance. I, the, I, I am insured up the gazoo. It's expensive, but you have to have it. Right. Uh, Warren, the next question is: What, what advice do you give to an aspiring entrepreneur? Uh, who doesn't have a background in sales? Uh, you know, someone who's get one. not as good as get one. and I. Get one. Get All right. one. All right? I don't care if you don't have a background in sales. No one believes in you, your products, your services, and what you do more than you do. Right. I agree. You know, everybody wants to hire someone to sell for them. Well, let me tell you something. If you're starting out a new business, I don't care how good the salesperson you hire is, they're not going to do much business. And if they're not going to do much business, they're not going to make any money. If they're not going to make any money, they're going to leave you. Right, you're going to quit. You're, you're the head of sales and marketing. Be the head of sales and marketing. If you don't know how to sell, learn how to sell. Buy the books, go to seminars, listen to podcasts, listen to audio, uh, you know, listen to CDs, uh, watch DVDs, whatever it is. Get all the sales information you can and put it into practice. Become an expert in sales because you know no one can sell who you are and what you do better than you can because no one believes in who you are and what you do more than you do. And I'll tell you what, you really think in your first couple of years in business you're going to get a salesperson who's going to really believe in who you are and what you do? I don't think so. So learn how to sell. And even when you get to the point where you can afford to hire salespeople who can do a good job for you, do not take yourself out of the sales loop because you do not want to give up control of your business to somebody else. I agree. And, and depending on how you're paying that salesperson, it could be very expensive. A lot of salespeople need six to 12 months before they're even making money in a young, small business. Uh, Absolutely. You do a lot of overhead right away. But I believe what you're saying there, even if you're not the type who can just pick up the phone and make a, uh, a cold call, uh, there's, there, there's other ways to, to, to get business going. I mean, uh, you you know, postcards, be uh, you know, direct mail. You can do other things to get the name out there to make it easier than to make that follow-up call. Well, I'll tell you what. I don't, I, you know what? You better learn how to do all that stuff. Yeah. Cold calling, any, anything it takes. Uh, uh, you know, if, if you don't want to make cold calls, well, then you better get yourself a lot of referrals. But you're still going to have to be proactive. You're still going to have to talk to people. You're going to have to go out and see people. You better... You got to learn how to do it. Learn. There, there's so you know nowadays there's so many resources available online to teach you how to sell. I mean, we got. I've got all sorts of products online. You never have to leave your house. 
I agree, absolutely. I mean, they could just go to your website, Warren, and just, I mean, that's a whole educational tool in itself. I mean, I've know? got a book, I've got audio programs, I've got video, I've got online video, I've got uh, regular DVD. You know, it's like you don't have to leave your house. I agree. You, you no could probably excuse. take anybody, Warren, just anybody, no sales experience, someone who's shy, whatever, and, and you can turn them into a top salesperson. Absolutely. absolutely. There's no such thing as a sales personality. No such thing. No, I agree with that, yeah. I, I downloaded uh, one of your books, Warren, uh, Don't Count the Yeses, Count the Noes. And right. I, uh, I mean, I thought that, that was one of the best sales pieces of sales advice I ever got in my life, you know, and I'm always, I've always been comfortable with selling, you know, but it just made so much sense to me after I listened to it and read it and just fantastic. Thank you. You know, even after you hire salespeople, Warren, you know, you should still keep selling, right? I mean, because otherwise you become dependent on your top that's Never take yourself out of the sales loop. Right. Because Absolutely. if you do, you're going you're gonna to make yourself totally dependent on somebody else, and, and they're going to be controlling your business, and you do not want somebody else controlling your business. I agree. What, what software programs would you recommend to aspiring entrepreneurs, Warren? I mean, again, there's, there's so many great ones out there. Which ones have you used that have Well, I'll created? tell you what we use. And we always have, we, since, since the beginning of time, since we started this business, we've used the contact management database. And the one we use is ACT. Now, I'm not saying it's the best one out there, but I'm telling you that we have been using it for many, 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 many years. My wife loves it. She, she works the phones for me. And by the way, the, the, let me give a piece of advice to the people out there. The ability to save money and the ability to learn how to live on one income gave us the freedom that when my wife was ready to go back to work after my second child was born, my daughter, she was able to come to work for me. Right, right. Because we were able to live on one income. So now I didn't have to go out and hire somebody else and add to my overhead. I've got somebody who's not only working for me who's really good at it because my wife was in sales before she, she left the workplace to have children. But my wife also believes in what we do more than anybody else. And, so, and it's also given us the ability to work out of our house and to always be home for, for someone to always be home for our kids. This is get, the ability to save our money and live on one income and learn how to do that has given us the, the, the freedom to do whatever we want with our lives. It just seems like you just had a great team with your wife. Uh, that's something Marty and I have talked about, especially on the last few weeks show, of uh, someone opening a franchise. One of the important things is getting the support of your spouse. If you do not have 100% support of your spouse and your family, do not do it, because I'll tell you right now, here's the problem. When you're in your own business, you go out there every day into the, into the street to sell, and you'll go out there every day when you first start to get your brains beat out. Yeah. Right. All right, you get your brains beat out every single day, because selling is all about rejection. Exactly. So you're getting your brains beat out every day. The last thing you need is that when you come home at night after getting your brains beat out, you come home to a place where you're also going to get your brains beat out. Right. That's right. <laughs> So if you're not coming home to a place where you have absolute 100% no questions asked support and positive reinforcement, do not do it. Your brain can only take so much punishment. That's right, because you're going to get your brains beat out during the day. You don't want to get your brains beat out at night. I knew I always had a safe haven to go to after a day of getting my brains beat out. Right. That's fantastic. It's so you know, my wife used to always say, think of all the great stories you're going to be able to tell one day about this. That's right. <laughs> and, so, and you know, you with, do that with all your speeches, I'm sure you've... This is what it's all about. You've got to have that safe haven to go to. I agree. Yeah, how many total books have you written, uh, Warren? I've just yeah. written the one so far, the, the best damn sales book ever, 16 Rock Solid Rules for Achieving Sales Success. It's been out for a little over a year now, and I'm very happy to say it's done extremely well. 
It's published it's by John Wilder. Yeah, it is. It's, 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 without exaggeration, for me, Warren, it's, it's been the best sales book that I've ever read, and I've read a lot of them. You know, I really appreciate that. Thank I you so much. really relate to the book. You know, It just makes so much sense. And like you say, I think anyone can become a good salesperson after reading that book. Oh, I have no question in my mind that, that anybody that really wants to can become a good salesperson. I, you know, there's, there's so many uh, fallacies and fables about selling. You have to be like this. No, you don't. You just got to go out and talk to people. You got to you got to help, and you got to talk to people every single day. That's all. And I, I, I like the last time you're on the show, Marty and I talked about it. Just uh, just come up with the amount of calls you have to make, and just stick to it. No, no, no matter how bad you're doing or how good you're doing. That's right. uh, if you're you know having a great month, and and you say, well, maybe I'll take it easy today. That's not the right attitude. You just got to go all out every day. Keep that up and have that, you know, just have that mindset. Have the plan. Know what you got to do. Know how much rejection you need in order to get what you want. If you don't know what you want, then you're not going to know what you need to do. So it all starts out with the goal. It all starts out with the plan. I think you also mentioned, uh, like sometimes people say, well, I don't want to make sales call first thing on a Monday or late on a Friday or a day before a holiday. But you said those are times when people aren't making calls. That's the best time to call. Exactly. Well, the, the best time to do it is when everyone else is giving up. Monday mornings, Friday afternoons, late, early. I mean, just think about it. Most salespeople are totally average and really pretty crappy at what they do. Right. And, and so, you know, they're right. always looking for an excuse to not do it. I mean, I found as a salesperson when I, when I was working in the garment center that, that my biggest sales came on Friday afternoon because I had no competition. Exactly. But people get caught up in thinking, well, what's the other person going to think if I'm calling a day before a holiday or late on a – this guy must be hurting for business. But, you know, who the heck cares if you have something and you believe in your product and and you have something that can really help them. Oh, absolutely. And if that person can be interested, they don't care when you're calling. Oh, absolutely. No question about it. They couldn't care less. In fact, they're pretty impressed by people who are calling at that time when nobody else is. Now that I'm talking a little bit here, Warren, I think I'm a little better salesperson than you are. Yeah, you have a problem with that? No, not at all. I hope you are. <laughs> That's because you read the book, Don. <laughs> well, we have about like 30 seconds. What's the best way for someone to get more information on all your different services? I know you have blogs and podcasts and all that other stuff. What's the best way for... Well, just, just go to my website at gracious.net, okay. G-R-E-S-H-E-S.net or .com, either way. Okay. Uh, if you want to sign up for our blog, we, we get, you'll get weekly updates from the blog. We have articles. We have video now on the blog. We have podcasts okay. on the blog. Lots of great free information. And so you can, you can go to my blog at greshusblog.com or just go to my website at greshus.net. Um, they could call me in my toll-free number at 800-858-1516. Or they can go to my book site at bestdamnsalesbook.com. So there's a million ways to get a hold of me. And even if you just Google Warren Greshus, Believe me, you'll get to all those things. <laughs> yeah, and we're going to promote that. your book as well, Juan. We're going to put yeah, your book absolutely. on several of our websites. I oh, that'd several. be great. I appreciate that, guys. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Franchise Interviews, Asking the Entrepreneur Who Owns One. I'm your host, Marty McDermott, with my co-host, Don Johnson. And if you've ever dreamed about owning your own business, then you've come to the right place. Today, we have a very interesting show. We have a very special guest, Warren Gresham, who's one of the top motivational speakers in the world. And that's coming up in segment two of Franchise Interviews. Hello, Service Brands International. I got a problem. 
the more time I spend pursuing success, the less time I have to enjoy it. What am I going to do? Don't worry, you made the right call. Service Brands International, a leading multi-brand franchiser, offers a variety of proven home services franchises that are ideally positioned for today's time-starved consumers and are exceptionally efficient to operate, giving you the time to run your business and time to enjoy your success. There's Molly Maid, a residential cleaning franchise. Mr. Handyman, the franchise solution for residential and commercial fix-it problems. 1-800-DRY-CLEAN, the affordable franchise opportunity offering quality dry cleaning with the convenience of free pickup and delivery. And ducts. That's D-U-C-T-Z, meeting the need for improved indoor air quality. For more information on how a Service Brands franchise can provide a life worth living, visit servicebrands.com. That's servicebrands.com. Ready for a great tasting dessert that's much better for you and your kids? Try the Miami Rice Pudding Company. Miami Rice Pudding Company offers over 35 flavors of rice pudding delivered in cups or cones with a customer's choice of toppings. This unbelievable franchise opportunity is introducing this great dessert concept to the malls, airports, art shows, and similar venues in your market. Miami Rice Pudding's goal is to help franchisees bring the healthy joy of flavored rice pudding to the world. Join our franchise system and open in your market with a low investment and operate both the fixed location and mobile units. Our system requires minimal food preparation and our pudding has a long shelf life. Mall chains are eager for us to expand to their locations because we're unique, competitive, nutritious, and a fun concept. Call us today, toll free at 1-866-6-EAT-RICE. That's 1-866-6-EAT-RICE. Or go to our website at MiamiRicePudding.com. That's MiamiRicePudding.com. Tap into a $41 billion a year industry with Garlic Gyms. Did you know Americans eat about 100 acres of pizza every single day or about 350 slices per second? Garlic Gyms has spent years looking high and low for a higher quality pizza that is delivered quick enough so that you're still hungry when it arrives. Garlic Gyms makes the most delicious gourmet pizza and at the same time provides excellent and fast service to your door. Garlic Gyms has perfected the science of prompt pizza delivery by learning and experimenting. The exciting twist to this is great pizza. Never again will you have to choose between great pizza and great service. Are you interested in owning a Garlic Gyms? We're currently accepting applications to participate in our exciting world of gourmet pizza delivery and carryout. Talk to us and find out how we sold nearly 100 franchises in six states in our first two and a half years of operation. To get started right away, go to www.garlicgyms.com. That's www.garlicgyms.com. Or call us, 425-918-1900. That's 425-918-1900. Garlic Gyms. Two th- 
Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Franchise Interviews, Asking the Entrepreneur Who Owns One. I'm your host, Marty McDermott, with my co-host, Don Johnson. And if you've ever dreamed about owning your own business, then this is a show to listen to. And our next guest is Warren Gretius, who is one of the most uh, one of the top motivational speakers in business. And Warren is an expert in the area of personal and professional development. He delivers over 70 talks a year to corporations and associations throughout the world. And his presentations on success, motivation, and sales raise the keynote speech to a form of performance art. His energetic, no-holds-barred delivery offers a unique blend of street-smart sales instincts, confidence, and every person's potential, and no-nonsense goal-setting methods. Uh, Warren is also the author of the best damn sales book ever, and also hosts his own radio show. Uh, good morning, Warren. Welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, Marty. How you doing? I'm great today, Warren. Warren, joining us is my co-host, Don Johnson, who's also the president of Diamond Financial Services. Hey, Don, I loved you on Nash Bridges. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I get, I, I get joked about it all the time, Warren, but it's great. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes I tell people I made up the name just for sales purposes to have the Don Johnson name. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it works. It works, Warren. It, it yeah. is an icebreaker, and, yeah, I really appreciate you coming on the show, Warren. I've well, been, hey, it's my pleasure. I'm glad to be with you guys. Yeah, I've been sales 20 years personally. I've, uh, I've had my own business for 17 years, and, uh, you know, really looking forward to, uh, like Martin and I were talking earlier, really learning a few things from you today. So you think you'll be able to teach us something today, Warren? I sure as hell hope so. <laughs> I came from New York City, you're a, a, a city guy, huh? Well, originally, yeah. I grew up in Brooklyn, spent oh, uh, well, most of my life uh, in New York City. I lived in Manhattan for 25 years, and then, oh, just about 10 years ago, we moved to Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Oh, that's wow. fantastic. I'm originally from Brooklyn myself, Warren. Oh, yeah, where? Uh, a little past Bay Ridge, Carroll Gardens, actually. Carroll Gardens, sure. I know the area well. I grew up in Sheepshead Bay. Oh, okay, sure. I know Sheepshead Well. That's fantastic. Yeah, my dad grew up in Brooklyn, uh, Flatbush and Avenue J, and... My okay. in-laws live down in North Carolina. I'm in the financing business. We have a home office down in Raleigh. So uh, Okay, I'm right near you. I'm in Chapel Hill, 30 miles yeah, away. Right, That's right, something. good. That's fantastic. Well, again, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. You know, congratulate on the success of your book, the best damn sales book ever. It has 16 rock-solid rules to achieving sales success, and also your radio show, which is, is very informative. Um, thank you. Don and I were also so excited to have you on the show today because uh, your book and your presentations, I, I don't think they're just for salespeople, Warren, but they're for business owners, and really almost anyone. Well, yeah, I, I know a lot of the stuff I talk about can, can, can work for anybody out there, and, but we especially work a, a lot with salespeople, and we, I do speak in front of a lot of small business owners. Absolutely. You know, and that's pretty much our audience, uh, Warren. You know, there's a lot of uh, prospective franchisees and entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. so you can say. So, you know, so that's Absolutely. why I was so excited to have you on the show today, because I really think they can benefit from listening to you. Right. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your background, Warren? I understand you started as a salesman in uh, was in New York City's uh, Garment District. That's right. That's the Aberdeen Proving Grounds for salespeople. I guess it is. Huh? <laughs> I, I started in, in the Garment Center in 1973, July. That was my first sales job ever. I spent 10 years as a salesman, then a sales manager, and then I ran a manufacturing company. And then in 1983, I decided I'd had enough. Uh, I don't like this, and I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. So I went to work for a small training and consulting firm in New York City as their head of sales and marketing and sold sales training programs. Wow. Spent a couple of years doing that. I sat in the audience, watched every program they did. Every program I sold, I sat in the audience and I listened and I learned. And right. I pretty much tripled their business in two years and then decided after watching all these seminars and listening to all this stuff, I said, you know, I could do that. Absolutely. I said, I think I could do that better than the guys that are doing that. And I'm bringing in all the business, so why should I split the money with these characters? Exactly. So I decided to start my own business, and in 1986, 
I became, I started my business as a speaker, and I've been doing it ever since, so I've been speaking for 21 years now. Wow, so you've been doing it a long time now. Yes, I have. That's fantastic. In your book, Warren, The Best Damn Sales Book Ever, you talk about the characteristics of successful salespeople, mm-hmm. and I believe Dave Thomas once said, success leaves clues. Can you discuss for our listeners the characteristics of successful salespeople? Sure. Well, the first characteristic that I talk about is that successful people, successful people and successful salespeople are self-motivated. They don't wait Absolutely. for someone else to tell them what to do. I mean, if it, you know, that, that's what a lot of the book is about. It, it, it's right. about self-motivation and how do you create self-motivation. I mean, I'm a motivator speaker right. yes but but that term is 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 kind of a, a, a loose term in that yeah I could get up there and, and I could give you a fire and brimstone and in the next hour you'll be swinging from the chandeliers but 24 <laughs> hours later you're gonna wake up you're gonna say who was that guy because that's real external motivation right I see what I really try to do and what people really need to do is I try to give people the tools and the techniques that allow them to be better able to motivate themselves right because internal motivation is, is long-term. External motivation is short-term. And I think if you don't motivate yourself, especially when it comes to sales, when it comes to business, I mean, you know, what's going to get you out of bed every single day and go out there to get your brains beat in? Because I've got to tell you something. When you're in business, when you're in sales, you're going to get your brains beat in a lot more than you're going to succeed. So you've got to be, you've got to be able to, to take the rejection. You've got to be able to take the nose. And so it's an ability to motivate yourself. It's an ability to be goal oriented in other words right. if you if you don't have a written if you don't have a set of written goals and an act and a written action plan that helps you create a sense of purpose a focus and a direction for both your life your career and your business then you're going to end up nowhere in other words if you don't know where you want to end up and you don't know how you're going to get there then what's the motivation to even get out of bed in the morning sure absolutely right. that's a good point Warren. i tell myself every day driving to work uh, sales is mostly negative. It's mostly rejection. It's just part of the process. And just to stay the course, have goals, so important. Some of these things you're mentioning early on. Uh, you That's just right. I mean, what's going to get you through the days when nothing happens? Right. Exactly. Right, absolutely. That's something. What else, Warren? Uh, what else? So as far as other characteristics of successful people, Warren, uh, uh, you mentioned to be goal-oriented. And, goal-oriented, uh, self-motivated. self-motivated. These are the people with the best attitudes, I guess you would say, right? Oh, the, the, the successful people have the best attitudes. There's no question about it. I mean, you know, it, 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 attitude is such a big part of your success. I mean, you know, I, we're talking to business owners out there, right, and prospective right. business owners. Absolutely. Right. One of the biggest questions I get when I speak to small business owners is, how do I find good people? What do I look for? And the first thing I tell them is, you hire attitude. Right. First and foremost, you hire attitude. Because I guarantee you, you can pretty much teach anybody any, everything there is to know about your business in a relatively short period of time. Absolutely. I agree. But go try to teach them attitude. If they don't come with it, <laughs> chances of them getting it once you hire them are pretty slim. That's tough, right? Absolutely. I mean, let's face it. If someone's attitude, um, let me ask you this: When is your attitude always the best on the job? When you first get the job, exactly. Right. I mean, your if you're year. not gung, if if you hire somebody, they're not gung ho the first day. The right. chances of them getting more gung ho six months later are pretty slim. Absolutely. Right. Human nature goes the other way as people go. And, and that was going to be another question I was going to ask you, Warren, is, uh, you know, people uh, being creatures of habit can fall back into old habits. And That's right. I guess part of your uh, part of your speeches and books, I guess, teach people to 
uh, you know, to not fall back into those bad habits, to that's right. stay the course over the long term, stay motivated. Yeah, well, that's absolutely. Where, that's where the goals come from. That's where the action plan comes from. Because you know, if you have an action plan that you've broken down, if you have a, a, a goal and you've broken the action plan down into smaller, easier to accomplish goals, then you've created a direction for yourself. And if you have that direction and you have those broken down goals, you see every day you're shooting at something. You know, you've right, got to break absolutely. it down. In other words, break it down into accomplishable steps. Break it down into continuous action. Give yourself the ability to measure your progress. Because if you do that, if I have a big goal and I can break it down into smaller, easier to accomplish goals, then every day I wake up, I have something to shoot for. Right, absolutely. And, and if, I make it accompl- if I make the small steps accomplishable, every day I'm accomplishing something. Which is why I tell salespeople, don't have a sales goal, have an activity goal. Right. Right, right. Yeah, That's interesting. Like yeah. a game, really. Habit is like a game, uh, uh, a self-motivating game to, heat, uh, to meet your goals. Absolutely. A little, bit, a little bit a lot, not a lot a little bit. Right, right. And it's interesting, Warren, because I guess you've noticed this, you know, a lot of salespeople in their first year, you know, they, they do hit their numbers, and then they go into their second year and they have that, what's called the sophomore jinx. That's right. You know, you know why? Because I, I guess they stopped doing what they were doing. They, well, they, they well, because when in your first year, you're too stupid to know you're not supposed to do this stuff. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, but most first-year salespeople are very gung-ho because some, some veteran hasn't grabbed them and said, you don't want to do that every day. Let's go get some right. coffee. Absolutely. So, so they go, you know, I, I, knew, I, once, I once spoke at a light bulb company, light bulb manufacturing company. Right. The night before my speech, I'm there, so I attended their awards dinner. It's you know, one of those interminable awards dinners where it's like a little league banquet where everybody gets a trophy. Sure, absolutely. And I'm sitting in the audience, and and they come out with the salesperson of the year award, and who wins it? A rookie, a rookie salesperson. Right. Right. So they call this kid up on the stage, and I got to tell you, this guy looked like a deer in the headlights. Oh my God. <laughs> he, he was a young guy. Personally, he looked a little dopey to me. He looked like he got dressed in the dark. He gets up there. He doesn't have any idea what the heck's going on. They give him this trophy. They say to him, they give him this award. They say, tell us the secret of your success. Right. He says, I don't know. He said, my manager told me I've got to see 30 people every day, and that's what I did. <laughs> there you go. Guys, they wouldn't believe him. They kept asking him, what's the secret of your success? He said, I don't know. My manager told me to see 30 people every day, and that's what I did. That was it. Absolutely. I guarantee you, by the second year, he wasn't doing that anymore, because by the second year, he figured he'd paid his dues. Exactly. And I don't or, have to go or, or, or he got cocky from winning uh, the, you know, this past year. <laughs> sure, absolutely. You know, there's something that you emphasize in your presentation, too, where, you know, successful salespeople, they aren't really any smarter. You know, that's been my experience of, no. you know, working with some fantastic salespeople is that they're not really any smarter. They just, no. uh, um, you know, they do a lot more prospecting. They see more people than anybody else. Exactly. They see they more people attitude, than yeah. anybody else. You know, it, it, it's, I know a lot of smart guys that don't do any business. Right. Because they think they're smarter than anybody, everybody else, and they don't have to go prospect. Well, I don't care how good you know. You know the old expression: if you build a better mousetrap, the world will be the path to your door. Mm-hmm. That's garbage. Yeah, because the world does. If you don't get the world to be the path to your door, if you're not out there telling them you exist, then they're not going to come and see you. If you're not out there, I don't care how good your product is. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how polished your presentation is. If you have no one to tell your story to, nothing happens. Absolutely. If you're not knocking on doors, if you're not pounding away at that telephone, if you're not getting in front of people on a continuous, everyday basis, if you're not generating consistent activity on a continual, everyday basis, nothing's going to happen. Activity, sales are just a byproduct of activity. Right, absolutely. So uh, there's no shortcuts, and whether it's just sales no. or somebody uh, opening up a franchise business, uh, you, know, you just have to work hard. What Marty and I have talked a lot about on previous shows, a lot of the guests we've had on, there's really no shortcuts. You've got to... No. 
work hard, you got to get your name out there. Even if when the time comes you're doing well, you have to always look to evolve and look to do things better, work oh, harder. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even, you know, how, how many retailers don't think they need to advertise all the time? Right. Oh, everybody knows me. I don't need to advertise. But I, I find that the stupidest statement. It's one of the stupidest statements of all time because if you think about it, I mean, do you think anybody doesn't know who McDonald's is? Right, or Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. Exactly. Yet they advertise all the time. Absolutely. And, and yet I've, I've had small business people say to me, well, you know, everybody knows me. I really don't have to spend that much on advertising. Oh, really? Okay, that's good. Well, all, all I know is that, that in recessions, that companies that continue to advertise and continue to, to spend the same amount, if not more money, on advertising come out of recessions far better than those that don't. Absolutely. Because that's you the time to advertise more. You create perceptions. When people, when, you know, in, in, in really good times, when, when clients don't see you or hear from you, they just assume you're busy. In tough times, if they don't see or hear from you, they just assume you're out of business. Right. Keep putting the name in front of them. That's uh, right. One of my favorite parts of my business, Warren, I'm in uh, franchise finance services. I just love prospecting, cold calling. Uh, oh. uh, it's, I, I, that's all I try to find my time for to, to pick up the phone and, you know, eventually mm -hmm. meet people. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, tell our listeners why is prospecting so important. Well, like I just said, it, 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 nothing else matters unless you're in front of somebody. Right. right. I mean, you, you know, I have known salespeople who were borderline idiots. <laughs> I'm serious, but they did right. a lot of business. Why? Because they just spoke to more people than anybody else. Exactly. Now, everything being equal, if you're a smart guy, Don, if you're a smart guy, Marty, and I'm a dope, but we all see the same amount of people, you guys are going to do far more business than I am. Right. I but see. if I see twice as many people as you, even though I'm a dope, I'm going to do more business than you. Exactly. Because that's what prospecting is all about. In a survey done of top salespeople, these are top producers, they asked them, where do you spend your, your time, energy, and effort? In your sale, and, and there was four categories involved. There was prospecting, there was product knowledge, there was um, presentation skills, and personal and professional development. Right. And they say, how do you spend your time? And they, they said, this was what the group said, top producers, 50% of time, energy, and effort prospecting. Wow. Right. Okay. Incredible. Uh, it was like, let's see, it was 15% uh, in personal and professional development. Right. 15% uh, product knowledge and 20% presentation skills. But 50% of their time prospecting. That doesn't necessarily mean cold calls. That could mean referrals, anything. But that just means getting on that phone, setting up appointments, knocking on doors, getting in front of people, talking to people every single day. Right, absolutely. And they create the habit. You know, we talked about habit. Sure. You don't create habits by doing it once in a while. It's like exercise. Unless you go on a regular basis, you're not going to get in shape. I would rather see you exercise five days a week for 20 minutes each day than once a week for two hours. Right. Right, absolutely. And that, so that's what really be relentless, do. always on the go, in good times or bad, always get the name out there. Um, you, know, you know when the best time to sell is? There's a couple of great times to sell. Either Friday afternoons or when business is, is, is weak. Right. And you, know, and you know why? Because in those two time periods, most of your competition has stopped. They've given up. Yeah, I've always, Makes a lot uh, of sense. I, I've always had the attitude just call people at any time. At one time, I was don't call people early on a Monday or late on a Friday, but sometimes late on a Friday, people might be in a better mood. Yeah. And you, and you brought up a good point. You know, maybe yeah. there's no one else is calling. That's the old, you can't do business in December. That's what they told me when I first got to the garment center. Right, right absolutely. They said you can't do business in December. Nobody buys dresses in December because they're all getting ready for the holidays and nobody's right. 
people don't buy dresses as a Christmas present. You can't sell dresses in January because they just want to return what's left over from the holidays. Nobody's got any money. You can't sell dresses in the summer because all the buyers are on vacation. You can't do it on a Friday. Everybody's going away for the weekend. You can't do it on a Monday. They just come back on the weekend. They don't want to talk to you. I always figure there's this one Wednesday in May. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the only good time of the year to do business. Right, absolutely. And, 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 you know, I always found that you call when no one else is calling. That's interesting. And it makes a lot of sense for you. You know what I mean? If you can't get in front of the prospects, I mean, all the other elements of the sales process don't really matter, do they? That's you right. Know nothing, I mean? nothing else matters unless you can tell your story. Exactly. You know, I know, you know, in my business, now, this happened recently. My wife, my wife works with me, and she says, you know, it's so slow right now. Nothing's going on. We're not getting any bookings. I said, oh, I'm not worried about that. We're going to get a ton of bookings because we've got so many irons in the fire. We've got so many right. prospects in the pipeline right now. And I'm telling you guys, literally no more than two or three days later, a, a slew of new business came in. We had something. Within the next, I would say within the next two weeks, we got over $100,000 in new business. That's incredible. And I knew that was going to happen because the pipeline was full. I had so many irons in the fire and so many possibilities going on that I don't worry. The only time I worry is when I don't have anything in the pipeline. I don't worry if there's no new business coming in as long as there's new prospects coming in. Right, absolutely. And I guess you even keep a track record for yourself, Warren, too. You know, I mean, you know you probably have everything down to a science, I suspect. You know, uh, you know how many calls you have to make and how many appointments you have to make and, you know, all that other stuff. That's right. Um, that's, you know, that's, wanna... that's the only way to handle rejection, guys. Absolutely. Yeah, I read a book uh, one time. Uh, I forget his name offhand, but uh, uh, I've read several, uh, you know, biographies of top people that we've known in the business. But anyway, they say to get on as many lines as you can, uh, uh-huh. meaning if there's already a few vendors of... Uh, a client's using, hey, get your name on there because eventually you'll bump up the list and stay in touch with them. So I, that, that's my philosophy in business as far as sales. Just try to get information out. Try to get on as many lines as possible, Warren. That, that's, you know, that's funny. My wife does a lot of calling uh, with, for our business, and our thing is we have this database of like 5,000 different companies that, A, are qualified. We know they use speakers. Right. They have meetings, and they can afford to pay my fee. And she just keeps calling them over and over again because even if they don't hire me this year, eventually they're going to run out of people that got to hire me. Exactly. I mean, we have people that we call them six, seven years in a row. They say, no, we hired somebody else, we hired somebody else. Finally, they say, oh, what the hell, we might as well hire this guy. We run out of people, you know? That's fantastic. Are you able to stick around for another segment? Absolutely. I'd love to. That's great. Okay, so I think what we'll do here is we'll take another break, and we'll be right back with more franchise interviews. Um... Tap into a $41 billion a year industry with Garlic Gyms. Did you know Americans eat about 100 acres of pizza every single day or about 350 slices per second? Garlic Gyms has spent years looking high and low for a higher quality pizza that is delivered quick enough so that you're still hungry when it arrives. Garlic Gyms makes the most delicious gourmet pizza and at the same time provides excellent and fast service to your door. Garlic Gyms has perfected the science of prompt pizza delivery by learning and experimenting. The exciting twist to this is great pizza. Never again will you have to choose between great pizza and great service. Are you interested in owning a Garlic Gyms? We're currently accepting applications to participate in our exciting world of gourmet pizza delivery and carryout. 
Talk to us and find out how we sold nearly 100 franchises in six states in our first two and a half years of operation. To get started right away, go to www.garlicgyms.com. That's www.garlicgyms.com. Or call us, 425-918-1900. That's 425-918-1900. Garlic Gyms. Ready for a great tasting dessert that's much better for you and your kids? Try the Miami Rice Pudding Company. Miami Rice Pudding Company offers over 35 flavors of rice pudding delivered in cups or cones with a customer's choice of toppings. This unbelievable franchise opportunity is introducing this great dessert concept to the malls, airports, art shows, and similar venues in your market. Miami Rice Pudding's goal is to help franchisees bring the healthy joy of flavored rice pudding to the world. Join our franchise system and open in your market with a low investment and operate both the fixed location and mobile units. Our system requires minimal food preparation and our pudding has a long shelf life. Mall chains are eager for us to expand to their locations because we're unique, competitive, nutritious, and a fun concept. Call us today, toll free at 1-866-6-EAT-RICE. That's 1-866-6-EAT-RICE. Or go to our website at MiamiRicePudding.com. That's MiamiRicePudding.com. Unlock your earning potential with a business to call your own with the Papa Lock Franchise Opportunity. Founded in 1991 by former law enforcement officers in Lafayette, Louisiana, Papa Lock is recognized as the leading locksmith franchise in the world, with 3,600 trained techs and licensed locksmiths serving a total population of more than 150 million in over 3,400 cities. Papa Lock provides multiple revenue streams to franchisees, such as locksmithing and car door unlocking, high-tech key generation, emergency roadside assistance, and emergency car door unlocking. If you would like to examine the Papa Lock franchise opportunity in more detail, please go to our website, www.papalock.com. That's www.papalock.com. Or call 337-233-6211. That number again is 337-233-6211. Lock up your future today with Papa Lock. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Franchise Interviews, Asking the Entrepreneur Who Owns One. I'm your host, Marty McDermott, with my co-host, Don Johnson. And if you've ever dreamed about owning your own business, then this is the show to listen to. And today we have a very interesting show. We have a very special guest, Warren Gretius, who is one of the top motivational speakers in the world. And, Don, I think you were up. Uh, we were going to ask Warren about, uh, was it rejection? Yeah, Warren, what's the best way to handle rejection? There's only one way to handle rejection, guys, and that's to know how much rejection you need. Right. Let, let, me, let me explain that. You know, most, if you're ever in a sales training session where a sales trainer says to you, don't take rejection personally, just let it roll off your back. It's not personal. Walk out because I'll guarantee you that person has never sold anything. <laughs> right. And I'll tell you right now, it is personal. Right. Okay. I, I've been selling for over 30 years now. I still slam down the phone and say, you dirty. <laughs> and you know why? Because I care. Exactly. And, and it is personal. If you've ever driven two hours for an appointment and the jerk doesn't show up, it's personal. Absolutely. Okay? Everything in life is personal. Guys, if I said to you, don't take this personally, but... The next thing I say, you're going to take personally. Exactly. Because everything in life is personal. So now, rejection stinks. I'm, right. going to tell you, I'm telling your audience right now, rejection stinks. 
You hate it. You got to hate it. You don't like it. But I got to tell you something. If you don't get it, you're out of business because selling is rejection. So how do you handle it? Know how much rejection you need. Start to track your numbers. Know your ratios. Know how many... How many times you literally have to? How many times you literally have to dial the phone to get to a decision maker? Know how many decision makers, on average, you need to speak to to get one appointment. Know what your cancellation rates on appointments are. Know how many times you, how many, what your closing ratios are. In other words, how many face-to-face visits do I need to make on the average to close one sale, and how much does that average sale put in my pocket? Because if you know that, if you know that, then rejection doesn't become anything. If I know, for instance, let's say that uh, I want that that uh, I have to dial every three every let's say I don't know three times or four times every four or five times I dial the phone I get to a decision maker every five decision makers I speak to I get an appointment I lose twenty five percent of my appointments I close one out of every three I you know and I and I put an average of a thousand dollars in my pocket let's so let's say I, I want to make a thousand dollars that means I need to. I need to go on three appoint. I need to be on three face-to-face visits to make one thousand dollars. I need to I need to set up four appointments because on the phone because I get twenty-five percent of them canceled. So to get in front of three people, I need to get four appointments on the phone. I need to speak to twenty people because every five people I get one appointment. So I need to speak to twenty people, twenty decision makers, and I need to dial the phone sixty times because every three times I dial the phone, I get to a decision maker. So if you know that. If you, and let's say I want to make two sales a week, and so I need to dial the phone 120 times, okay? So I know, now I know, if all I do is dial the phone 24 times a day or 120 times a week, I'm going to get to those people, get the appointments, get, to, get in front of them, and make the sales. And now my goal is 24 dials a day. That's it. That's my goal, 24 dials a day. doesn't matter what happens. As long as I dial the phone 24 dials a day, I'm going to get to my goal, which is two sales a week and $2,000 in my pocket. Now how motivated am I to dial the phone? Absolutely. I'm a lunatic. Absolutely. It makes rejection a lot easier to handle one. That's right. And you know what you've just done? You've, you've set yourself up to never, ever fail. Exactly. You see, because, because if you get an activity goal, see, my goal is $24 of the phone a day. Just remember something about activity. The generation of activity, the generation of those 24 dials is the only thing that is 100% within the salesperson's control. For everything else, you need somebody else to say yes. Which means so, you accomplish your goals every day then, Warren. That's right. See, the, the, the funny thing about salespeople and business owners, even though so many of them don't have to make a sale every single day, on the days when they don't make a sale, they feel like failures. Why? Right. You didn't they didn't have home. to. Right. They go home feeling down. Absolutely. Well, well, that's right. But if, I, make if my goal is 24 dials of the phone a day and I'm hitting that goal every single day, I'm going to feel fantastic. My confidence level is going to skyrocket, which is going to now allow me to make more calls. That's fascinating. What's the best way, Warren, to go about prospecting? I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, I think in your book you, you referenced using a script, which I'm very big on. I, I think it's fantastic, but I know a lot of salespeople don't like to use one. Well, salespeople don't like to use scripts because they have the stupidest reasons for not using scripts. <laughs> You know, oh, I don't. It, I can't. It, it's not my personality. Right. I can't be uh, not natural, spontaneous. In other words, I can't wing it. Why would you Absolutely. want to wing it? Right. You know, you know what I say? The best comeback I have when salespeople tell me they don't like scripts because it's not them. It's not, I say, you ever go to a Broadway show? Sure. Yeah. Okay. You think they use a script? <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Did it sound like a script? No, no, no not no. at all. You know why? Because they practice. That's right. Because they practice. Bingo. That's why salespeople that use scripts always sound so awful because they never, ever 
practice. Professional practice, professional musicians, professional athletes, professional actors and actresses, practice. If you were lying on an operating table and the surgeon looked over you and said, whoa, I've never seen anything like this before. There you go. <laughs> Let's just wing it. What would you do? I mean, I'd be running the hell out of there, even if my Absolutely. foot was hanging out of that, that stupid thing they give you to wear. So, so you know, you've got to practice. The, the thing, you know, if you went to that Broadway show and you sat in the audience and you paid 100 bucks a ticket and the actors and actresses came out on stage and they said, listen, folks, uh, we just got this script handed to us today. <laughs> we didn't really have time to practice, so we're just going right. to wing it. Right, I'd, right. Be, I'd be banging on the box office getting my money back. Absolutely. <laughs> and the funny thing is, with Broadway stars and actresses and act- actors, they get that the first day of rehearsals, they read through the script because they don't know it, so they read through it. It sounds right. awful. But right. after months of practice, now, only then, once you know it, once you have it instinctively within you, can you tailor it to your personality. And the other thing is to script out the objections and the turnarounds because the beautiful thing about salespeople is they hear the same three, four, five basic objections every single day. Yet tomorrow when they hear them again, they're going to act as if they never heard it before. <laughs> Absolutely. That's so something. script it out. Write down the most common objections you hear every day and underneath each one, write out the turnarounds you will use to turn around those objections. If you out-prepare your opponent, you will win. Exactly. What's the best way to turn around an objection, Warren? Uh, I, I call it repeat, reassure, and resume. Okay. In other words, never argue with a prospect's or a client's objections. Why? Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, l- let, let's face it. You must agree. We all know more about what we do and about our products and services than the prospect knows, right? Sure. Right. So that makes us the expert. They don't know what they're, what they're supposed to know or not supposed to know. So why would you argue with someone who, who has no knowledge? You, what you say, if somebody says to me, send me information, I'd say, oh, I'd love to send you information. Repeat the objection. Reassure them. Tell them it's a br- brilliant, oh, I'd love to send I've got stacks of this stuff here. Absolutely. And just keep on going because you don't want to send them the information. You just want to talk about what you want to talk about, which is getting the appointment. I'll say, you know, uh, Mr. Jones, I'd love to send you information. I've got stacks of it. Tell them that they're smart for feeling that way. But, you know, you will find that when I get there, not if I get there, but when I get there, I'm much more capable than the information is of answering your questions and showing you how we can, how we can help you to increase your sales. Can we get together next Tuesday at 3? Notice Absolutely. I go back to the purpose of the call. A lot of people get away from the purpose of the call. They want to discuss the objection. I want to discuss what time I'm coming over. Absolutely. See, that's yeah. what a script does for you. It allows you to control the conversation. Exactly. Yeah. Warren, we have, about, advice, yeah. we have about 30 seconds, Warren. What's the best way to get in touch with you? I know you have a lot of different websites, and we actually have a link up on our show page, Warren, that you can actually link to. Oh, that's great. Okay, I'm going to put my uh, young man that works for me in, in touch with you guys so that he, we can link uh, our sites to you. Uh, we Absolutely. have a number of ways. Uh, they can call my 800 number, 800-858-1516. They can go to my website, which is aggressious.com, which is A-R-E-S-H-E-S.com. My co-host, Don Johnson. And if you've ever dreamed of owning your own business, then you've come to the right place. And as we were saying earlier, Don, we have a great show today because we're meeting with Warren Gresham. Warren Gresham is a serial entrepreneur, an internationally acclaimed professional speaker, best-selling author, broadcaster, podcaster, educational products producer, and former minor league baseball team owner. Hey, Warren, how you doing? Welcome back. Happy oh, buddy, I'm doing great. How you doing? How are you doing, Oh, Don? good. It's great to hear your voice, good. Warren. Doing great, Warren. It's great to be back. Happy holidays. Uh, Thank you. You too. Yeah, happy holidays to you, Warren. It's, it's, I think it's been a while. How long has it been since we've had Warren on the show, Don? It's maybe a year or two? Uh, I think at least two years. 
Oh yeah, at least two years. Yeah, and I know yeah. you've been very busy. I've been following you, as you know, Warren. So has Don. You know, uh, thank you. You know, with all your you know podcasts and everything like that. So again, it is fantastic to have you back on the show. I um, I don't know if you know this, Warren. I was it was a year ago. I was asked to list my top five favorite books. Um, uh, for Kaplan University, uh, for our students, and one of them is the best damn sales book ever: "16 Rock Solid Rules for Achieving Sales Success." So, uh, I you. expect uh, probably your your new one's going to be up there as well. I'm almost done with it, just so you know. It's a fantastic book. It's uh, thank you. It's really a wonderful read. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, it's our pleasure. I thought you know, a good place to start off. Warren, is, you know, why why did you write the book, uh, um, the best damn management book ever? Well, you know. Uh, well, before you know me, I'm, I, I never beat around the bush because my <laughs> publisher true. bugged the living heck out of me. That's why. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's a great, it's a very prestigious publisher too. I mean, wasn't it? Wiley's a publisher. And, and fantastic. They, they have been great to work with, and yeah. the thing was, the first book sold well, so and yeah. and continues to sell well. I, I, I'm proud to say. And so they were bugging me for years to write another book, and I never, you know, there was never anything, you, you know. I, I just didn't feel like writing a book for the sake of writing mm-hmm. a book. You know, right, with, with, exactly. you know me. I mean, I get wound up. Yeah, for, me to, to, yeah. for me to write a book, it's got to be something I really feel strongly about, something passionate about. Say. And so finally, one day, you know, it, it, it dawned on me, and, you know, I, I do a lot of speaking to management groups, too, aside from sales groups. And, and, and one of the things all of a sudden I started talking about was how the similarities between being a great parent and being a great manager slash leader. Mm. And I said, you know, this could make the basis for a good book. So I called the publisher. I said, okay, I'm ready. You can stop bugging me. I'm ready. <laughs> I pitched the idea. He said, send me the proposal. I sent the proposal. Boom. The next thing I know, I got a book contract and I'm writing this book. What, what became interesting as you were putting the book together, I'm sure all kinds of new thoughts and things hit you, uh, uh, what was a surprise when you were put, putting this together? Well, you know, you know me. I, 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 when you read my books, it's like you're listening to me speak. You know, as my mm-hmm. wife says, I "My God, you, you, you write just like you speak." It's like <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm it's a storyteller, so and you know, yeah. it's just my observations, and uh, you know, I just as I kept delving more and more into it, um, you know, I, I, I kept seeing this this similarity, you know, with my kids. You know, mm-hmm. I got two kids, Michael and Emily. Michael's yeah. 24, Emily is 20, and I just kept saying, "My God, the similarities! Are, I never noticed it before." And, and you know how how much you know how much similarity there is to running a business and, and managing people and, and and leading people as there is to to being a parent. Except, to be honest about it, you hear a lot more whining as a manager than you do as a parent. <laughs> That's true, and I think you said that in the book one. Which again, you know, I, I like the book because it was funny. You know, I, I was at the doctor's office yesterday, Don. I didn't tell you this, and, and I was like laughing because it, it, it's as you say. You know, I can picture you actually saying these things. You know, you were talking about your, and I showed my wife this yesterday. You're talking about your son Michael saying that he'll do something because nobody else is doing right. it. And I showed it to my wife, and she started laughing hysterically. She said, "Oh my God!" Because that's our son. He's four years old now, and uh, that's that's our son. You know, and, and it does. It segues into like all that motivation and everything like that, doesn't that, it? That's why I wrote the book. I noticed when yeah. I was making these comparisons in my speeches how people reacted the same way you did because everyone yeah. can relate to that. So many exactly. people in my audience, there's so many people that are going to read this book have kids and they can relate yeah. to that. And, and and to be able to make that connection to understanding how being a good parent can help you be a better manager, leader, business owner, yes. I think it's very valuable. 
What's really the secret warrant to, to you know to good management? Is it that individual person their uh, their personality and and, and and just relating that to someone uh, and, and getting to know that person who's under you their their personality? Because you know there's all kinds of uh, ways to manage. Uh, you know, look at Bill Parcells and you know some yeah. of your most successful coaches took the you know took the hard line type approach they really built uh, build people up and knock them down and vice versa then then you have the nice guy approach you know what have you found to be kind of the the, the key to management well you know the the key to management is and and, and built ourselves yes and no took the hard line approach you know, good, great coaches like Parcells, uh, like Red Auerbach, they knew, they understood each player individually. And, yeah. and I think one of the yeah. points I make in the book is you have to treat your, your people like they're your customers because right. they are right. your customers. And you have to understand that, you know, just like your, each one of your kids are different. If you have more than one kid, you'll notice your kids are all different. Right. I mean, right. my son and my daughter are total opposite. <laughs> You know, people react different. Different people react differently to different things. Red Auerbach always used to, you know, he used to pick on Tommy Heinsohn. Yeah. Just he was brutal. They said in his treatment of Tommy Heinsohn, <laughs> he would scream at him, yell, blame him for everything. Why? Because he knew he could take it. Or someone like Bobby yeah. Knight, who's uh, you yeah, know, Bobby who's Knight. one of the most successful right. college coaches ever, and everybody thinks of him as just being a mean guy, but all his yeah. players. End up loving him and coming back and and watching him and and uh, supporting him and so you don't see a lot of the behind the scenes that the, the full story. I've great, read a couple great, books. Great uh, coaches know who they can kick in the rear, and great mm-hmm. coaches know who they should pat on the back. Right. Yeah. It's, it's people, amazing. Warren. People are yeah, different. Okay. They react differently to different motivate. Everybody's motivated by something different. You as a manager have to find out what motivates each and every one of your people. You've got to treat them like clients. Right. You, you sit down with your clients and try to figure out what their individual needs are. Why don't you do the same thing with the people that work for you? Good point. It's so true, yeah. And a, and a lot of businesses do not do that, you know, is, is, is one no. of the things I got from the book, too. It was it was a big reminder uh, that, that I would like to even, like, you know, share with my students. I, I think this book, Warren, is, is really for, I, I don't know if you knew this, but more people than you even imagine, you know. I was going to say it could be parents or right. I, I was thinking of it from a university professor perspective, you know, it, it, that the book is just really for so many people out there, uh, students, you know, right. I'm going to recommend to my students that they read this book. You know, well, I mean, you. it really is fantastic. I mean, there's just so many things, uh, you know, you, you, you talk about that really uh, uh, just were kind of like a reinforcement. But it is interesting, you know, when you talk about sports and, you know, you talk about Bill Parcells. And I know, Don, you're, you're a Giants fan, aren't you? Right. Oh, you yeah. have that in common with uh, <laughs> That's true. Yeah. You know, but it, it's interesting seeing the relationship between sports and, 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 and management. I, I know in a lot of the business books that I read, Warren, you know, Vince Lombardi is, is uh, referenced uh, quite often as well. My dad, you know, used to talk about Vince Lombardi a lot as well. But, you know, Parcells is really amazing. Well, my two favorites of all time have always – two of my favorites have always been Parcells and Red Auerbach. Right. Interesting. Yeah. And, and, you know, they, they understood I – mean, Parcells always said, he said, I don't motivate people. Uh, I'm a great motivator because I only keep players who are self-motivated. If you're not self-motivated, I get rid of you because you cannot motivate other people. I mean, you know me. I could go crazy. I could do a fire and brimstone. I could have people swinging from the chandeliers, but 24 hours later they're going to wake up and say, who was that guy? (laughs) Well, you do that, right? You do that to us. It doesn't warrant you. I mean, again, you're so motivated. Don says he couldn't wait to get on the phone after the show's over today, Warren, to just get on the phone because you do have that ability to just inspire, you know. But you're right. It has to be, and maybe it's a good time to talk about it, you know, um, external versus internal motivation. Absolutely. If you want to address that. 
Sure. I mean, external motivation is great, but it's a short-term fix. Mm -hmm. You know, a football coach only has to get people wound up for a few hours on Sunday, and that's including the commercials and halftime. But but a good business owner, a good leader, you have to, you know, you can't motivate other people. You can get them excited. You can get them inspired. Mm -hmm. But if they're not so – external motivation is a short-term force. Internal motivation can last forever. See, the the key is not to motivate others. The key is to give them the tools and the techniques that will allow them to be better able to motivate themselves. You know, good point. I'm I'm thinking, uh, you know, my my twins, Warren, are are seven. They each play – Soccer, basketball, baseball. They're in scouts. So my son's had a tough time, and I grew up playing sports and was, you know, was pretty decent at it. And I and I'm starting to realize that if you know he he has to sort of have that inner motivation on his own, right? uh, Because I noticed in soccer he's not being very aggressive, and and I don't know at this point whether he's going to have that attitude where he hates to lose and he's going to be over aggressive. And Mm -hmm. that's maybe something you can try your best to to educate, let him know how to be a good player. But if he doesn't have that inner drive and motivation, it's something you kind of have to have on your own a little bit, right? Well, Well, that's it. You see, my son was a very good baseball player, very good baseball player, far better player than I ever was. But he got to the point where he just wasn't willing to do what it takes to get to the next level. Right. And so what was I going to do? I was going to push him? He said, Dad, I want to quit the team. I said, okay. I'm not, I'm not going to go. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Because right. I love baseball. I'm going to make him stay. He didn't want to do it. Right. You know, and if, he, if, if you're not willing to do what it takes, then, you know, move on. Find something else you like. Right. And, and, and so, you know, it, it's, you know, with your people, business owners, and, you know, I know we're speaking to business owners on your show here, mm-hmm. all those franchisors, right. franchisees. Um, mm-hmm. We're speaking to business owners. Business owners are always saying, "Oh man, if I could only find the right hot button to push on this guy." Right. The problem is, you're trying to find a button on people who might not have any buttons. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest it's reason so people true, are yeah. not self-motivated is they themselves don't know what motivates them. They have no yeah. goals. They have no plans. You, as the leader, you as the business owner, you as the manager, you have to sit down with each and every one of your people individually, just like you would do a needs analysis on a client. You sit down with the people that work for you and try to help them figure out what it is they want to achieve out of their life, their career, or whatnot, and help them put together a set of goals and a plan that will get them there. Then, once you do that, see, once they have something to shoot for on their own, something that's theirs, something they really want to achieve, then you can show them how they can use the job as a vehicle to getting them there. If I know that every day I come to work, I'm getting that much closer to what I want, now I'm a lot more motivated to come to work every day and do a good job, even if I don't like the job that much. Yeah, yeah it's, you know, I, I was going to say, Warren, I, I don't know if you know this, I, I used to work for a Madison Avenue firm, and, and uh, you know, they used to have sales contests all the time, and it was funny because you mentioned, and it was one of the things I was reading your book, I, I, I laughed again, you said, have you ever wondered why so many sales contests don't work? And a lot of times the, the contests were for, like, tickets for, like, an off-Broadway show or Mets tickets, and I right. wasn't a Mets fan, I was a Yankees fan. Who you is? Know, and, and it was just so true, right? <laughs> but it's just, it's so true, though, you know, and, and you wonder why that still goes on today, you know, that there's so many companies out there, because you know, they have there these sales contests. Because there are so many bad managers. Yeah, absolutely. You know, give me, so, give me a great sales force and, and stick yeah. them with a lousy manager, six months you'll have there a lousy sales force. I mean, Warren, it's almost like you had to write this type of book, Warren. You you know, you had to write this book to kind of complete the cycle of of sales in general. You know, I mean, you know, before you think about it, you only had half the story. Okay, this is you know what? You're absolutely right. Yeah, part two. Yeah, 
It, 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 you also said too, you, you know, I wrote this down for higher attitude, not skills, and, oh. and used a great example of it. I think you referenced Sylvia as the example, and I was reading about oh. this guy. I said, oh, my God, i got to share this with my students. I mean, it just it, it, it got me very excited. I don't know if you and want to talk a little bit can, about that. Uh, can I please elaborate on that a little? Yes, sure, this, this story, This story about Sylvia has even a better ending since the book came out. It does. Yes, Sylvia... You know, works for McKinsey, one of the largest, if okay. not the largest consulting firm in the world. She started right. out as an office manager, glorified title yeah. to someone who, you know, <laughs> filled the pencil boxes and uh, right. ordered yeah. the supplies and whatnot. And, 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 but she worked like a dog. I mean, she, not, nothing, no task was too menial, no job was too tough. Whatever they asked her to do, Sylvia did and did it well. And, and then she finally got her big promotion. And you know why? because she was the only one willing to empty the dishwasher in the yeah. office. You know, it, it, people, are, they hired her, but she, her attitude helped her advance. Right. Now, here's the good news. Here's the better news, I should say. Last week, Sylvia just got another promotion. That's incredible. She got I'm another promotion. Surprised. And they asked her what her goals are, and she said, I want to be able to work for, they have, you know, they have offices all over the world, McKinsey. Right. She said, I want to be able to work for a year in Costa Rica. They said, fine. Wow. They gave her a promotion. They're they sending her to Costa Rica for a year where she's going to have a leadership position. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know her, and I'm excited for her. You know? well, I, <laughs> and I know her well. I've known her since she was, uh, since she was born. And, and I'm so excited for her. And it was all because of her attitude. You hire attitude because attitude. let me tell you something. All you people out there listening that own your own businesses or are responsible right. for leading other people, you hire attitude because I guarantee you, you can teach them everything they're going to need to know about your business. And people with yeah. great attitudes will kill to learn all the skills they need to be successful. Yet so many companies aren't doing that, Warren. They're just looking for the skills. They go to the resume. They just look at the skill section. And that's really, it seems like it's it after that. I, you know I am I mean? amazed at how just... companies hire. Everything is, you know, send us your resume on the Internet. Mm -hmm. it's all My son got a job right out of college. And you know why? Because he got in front of somebody. He, yeah, he graduated unless, college. I, I Oh yeah, I and that was in the that. record industry. Yeah, it was in yeah. the record industry. Well, uh, actually, you actually, that. he's not working for a record label anymore because he got recruited for a better job just about a month or two ago. That's fantastic. So, so I, let me ask you this: a little uh, over a year that he was there a little over a year, and he impressed some people because wow. of his attitude, because not of surprised. his willingness exactly. to do whatever it took. And, and somebody at his record label got a big promote, got a big job at another at another music company, a music, music publishing company. And uh, he brought my he he called they called Michael immediately so we want to talk to you. Wow! And he got he got a better job with a big bump in pay, uh, more responsibility, and it, it's you know. And, and the thing was he he you know that's another thing he managed to get in the door. He said to me, Dad, they want to do an interview. They said we could do it on the phone. I said, Uh uh, no phone. I right. said I don't care where you are. I don't care if you got to get on a plane. I said, right. get the, tell him you want to be face-to-face. -face. He got there face-to-face. -face. He impressed them. They said, you know, there's a guy down the hall that's looking for somebody. Now, they wouldn't have put him in touch with the guy down the hall if he was on the phone. Right. He probably liked his body language, his eye contact, they his experience. He was there. He, he flew. He traveled to get there, which impresses that's people. That's right. That's it's the same right. at a franchise show, Marty. When at a franchise trade show, if somebody mm -hmm. tells that franchise system, well, I just came a, a few states over because I wanted to meet you guys in person, see what your franchise system's all about. And that's pretty powerful. That's like, well, okay, this person's serious. serious. Right. Let me ask you this, Warren. Uh, sure. Now, you know, you've, you've, you've been all around the, on the management side, sales side. You know, which team could be more successful, five average salesmen with a great manager 
or a manager who's below average, but you have five really good salesmen, which you know, which team would do better? I think the five average salespeople with the great manager. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll come take on, the other sports, way. Look at sports teams. The ones right. with bad management never win. Right. Come on, we just, we just mentioned. Okay, you just mentioned the poster boy for bad management, the Mets. <laughs> <laughs> right? Come on. Is the Mets not go. the poster boy for bad management? <laughs> Let's face it. The, the fish stinks from the head. Or we mentioned Vince Lombardi. He his team, you know, never had the best talent, but they were the best team. Before he took over, his team won one game. Right. Yeah. His team won one game. How about Parcells who took over the Giants? They were like 3-13 or something. Listen, come on. We know that. Uh, Just think about it. I mean, (laughs) you know when the the latest Yankee dynasty was built, the ones that won uh, at the end of, uh, you know, that started in 1996, the World Series, and they won four World Series? Right. It started when Steinbrenner was suspended. <laughs> Think about this. It started when Steinbrenner was suspended yeah. and Gene Michael took over running the team. And, and, and kept the young talent. And kept all the young talent. Right. And you know who ran his farm system? Brian Sabian, who is now the general manager of the Giants and led them to their first World Series in 56 years. And I know because I've been a Giant fan for 50 of those 56 years. And it was funny how nobody thought Tory. remember the backlash of New York Press when Tory was first hired. He even had the mm-hmm. record, Marty, of uh, the yeah. most managed games, I think playing games also, and, and to never have made it to the World Series. And what happens? I guess somebody saw, yeah. thought that, hey, him being in New York, because he grew up in New York, and, 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 great, and his great front And a yeah. great front office got him the talent. Right. And then he had to be able to manage the talent. There's a lot of teams with great talent that don't win. It's true. Everybody has to know That's their role. Where, one of the things I didn't know about you, Warren, was that you did. You owned a baseball team. I thought I knew everything about you and following your career, you know, the last five, six years. And uh, you know, I didn't uh, know that about you. Did you ba- want to talk baseball about, like, is my weakness. If you, my, my wife yes. always likes to say that the, that. Movie, that the movie Fever Pitch is my autobiography. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm insane. I'm a Giants fan, and I'm insane. But, but when I, uh, years ago, I, I got involved in minor league baseball. I, I owned a minor wow. league team, and it didn't, it didn't, didn't go too well. Fortunately, I did make right. money on the deal, so I'm happy about that. Good. But, but I got in early, and I should have stayed in because I knew I had, you know, it's like, you know, hey, entrepreneurs make mistakes. Right. Yeah. You know, that, that, oh, you know, absolutely. We, you, know, you know why we, we, we sometimes have successes? Because we're willing to make mistakes. Take risks. Yeah. Right. You've got to take exactly. risks. You know, I, I thought minor league baseball was going to take off. I was right. I mean, you know, value of minor league franchises, uh, this was over 25 years ago. Value of minor league franchises in the last 25 years has skyrocketed. I got in early. Oh, yeah. And I got out too early. So. Right. But, uh, yeah, I was involved in minor league baseball for a while. I was, it was an independent wow. league, and I was, I was ahead of my time on that. And a good example, Marty, 25 years ago, I don't think New Jersey had one minor league baseball team, mm-hmm. and they had the uh, Cardinals team up in North Jersey. Now there's about eight or nine oh, teams goodness. around New yeah. Jersey, minor league teams. Yeah. Well, you know, I was, yeah, I, I was involved in one of the first ever independent leagues, and yeah. now there's independent wow. leagues all over the place. And I know firsthand it's a lot easier going to see the Lakewood Blue Claws with my family. There's more uh, things for the kids besides the ball game. I mean, I'd always rather go to a major league game, but it's closer, it's easier, it's cheaper, it's nice, and you have a good night. It's it's nice for the family. Well, you know what? Same with me. I mean, I, I now live in you know in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and you know yeah. there's no major league baseball here, but I go to the Durham Bulls games. It's great baseball. Yeah. It's great baseball. When my kids were younger, it was great to take them there because if they didn't feel like sitting in their seats, who cared? The seats only cost five bucks. It's true. That, that's probably the thing you, you, you like least about North Carolina. You, you can't go to the Giants game. You can't go to the Yankees game, right? Admit it. Uh, yes, but 
but I have satellite dish. <laughs> and and I, ha- I, ha- I have the baseball package on my satellite dish, and I have the baseball package <laughs> on my computer. So I watch every single game. I mean, I'm you know uh, the, bonus, the big problem is it's a three-hour time difference. My wife goes nuts. Yeah. She, you know, I, th- no matter where we live, there always needs to be a room where she can hide me. Yeah. <laughs> because I'll true. be screaming at one o'clock in the morning. I'll be screaming at the TV. Oh, that's something. I want to get back more to something you said very important in the book, and I wanted to share this with my students as well. You mentioned about looking down on what others do. That's a very big pet peeve of yours. And, you know, this is a concept that, again, I'm going to be sharing with my students today, but, you know, we've had over a dozen stories on our show of, like, employees turning into successful franchisees, haven't we, Don? Like, in about five right. years, we've had some really incredible stories of, you know, just someone who worked for a McDonald's, Warren, and, and now – they own like ten of them, you know. And I, I want if you could just talk a little bit about that because I think it's very important. Oh, this is a pet peeve of mine. This mm-hmm. when I was watching these Occupy Wall Street. Uh, I, I, I won't call them Occupy Wall Street. I'll call them Occupy Wah Street. And uh, <laughs> when I was watching, well, you know, all I can do the only jobs out there are crappy jobs. Whoa, exactly. Whoa, yeah. no such thing as a crappy job. There's only right. crappy people. Crappy workers. There's no such, yeah. You know what? I hate it when, well, you know, just, well, just a fl- hamburger flipping job or Walmart. I love when people make fun of the jobs at Walmart. When right. we, can't, we don't want Walmart in our town. We're, you know, they're crap, crummy jobs. Yeah, okay, so those small mom-and-pop retailers, they're giving out great jobs. Right. <laughs> 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 Good point. Yeah, but but it, it is. It's so true. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many stories we've had of people my just son, like that, like just my like working son in the store. Yeah. Worked for quite a few years as a pizza delivery man mm-hmm. and helped put himself through college as a pizza delivery man. He quit college after his freshman year. He was working in the summers and part-time uh, in high school, and even when he first started college, he'd work part-time when he'd come home and, and for this pizza place. So he quit college. He, wanted, he didn't want to go. He said, can I quit? I said, sure, you can quit. I said, the only thing is you've got to get a full-time job. You've got to pay me rent. Right. There you right. go. You've got to set standards if you're going to be a leader. I was going to say for a second, it seemed like you were kind of taking it easy on your son, but now but oh, I don't that, that wasn't the case. No, no, no. no. I, I, listen, if the kid doesn't want to go, am I going to pay for a place he doesn't want to be? Right. Yeah. That's dumb. You know, there's no motivation. Why should I shell out the money? So I said, fine, get a full-time job and you pay me rent. So he, got, he went full-time with the pizza place. He's, for a year, he delivered pizzas. Made $25,000 in one year delivering That's pizzas. Amazing. He saved $12,000. He took that $12,000, he invested in the stock market, he made $30,000. Wow. He's going to have to write a book next. He took that (laughs) money and he helped pay for his college education with that money. That's fantastic. And he was always amazed how people would treat him in certain places. He'd say to me, Dad, I hate the BMW dealership. I said, why? He said, because every time I go in there, they look down on me. Oh, God, here comes the, the loser pizza delivery guy. I said, you know, Michael, you know how dumb those guys are? I said, because someday... You're going to be, in, in your life, you're going to be able to easily afford a car like that. I said, and guess what you're not going to buy it from? Right. Because of their attitude. Yeah. You right. know, there's no such thing as a bad job. Sylvia had what people might call a bad job. Mm-hmm. And she turned that bad job into a great job because it's a job. There's no such thing as a bad job. It's what you make of it that will determine whether it's a good job or a bad job. My son, was, was he... He was, we used to call him the exec, you know, the, the vice president of pizza. That's how seriously he took that job. His boss, <laughs> wow. the owner, loved him. Anytime Michael yeah. was home from school, he'd call up, he'd say, Alfredo, can I get a weekend? He'd say, oh, yeah, any hours you want. Pick the, he loved him. 
Why? Because he could trust them and he knew he was going to do Michael learned how to deal with customers. Michael learned how to deal with lousy customers. With a, you know, my, you know, kind wow. of people. You, you know, you're dealing with the general public. He learned how to deal with irate customers. He learned how to deal with with stupid customers. He learned how to deal with all yeah. sorts of people. Yeah, well, how valuable wow. is that? You know what else kids learn and young people learn on, on jobs like that, working for franchise uh, places and, and, and or, or pizza, or whatever. They learn that you got to show up on time. Exactly. You learn that you got to yeah. work hard. It's it's funny. It's it's kind of nostalgic. I remember you wouldn't remember this, Warren. But again, I think the first time we had you on the show, we were talking about that story. We had a gentleman on our show, uh, Garlic Jim's Pizza. I don't know if you remember that, Don. It's going way way back to like, right. like 2007. But it reminded me a lot of your son as, as you're telling the story again. Is, is this gentleman started off? I think he started off delivering pizzas, you know, and then he started working in I think it was Domino's, and he starts his own franchise called Garlic Jim's, and uh, I think today Garlic they're Jim's, I know, 150. Yeah, they're up to like I think like uh, 150, you know, 200 franchises across the country. I said, oh my god, you know, it was a wonderful story, and I, I remember you know you telling the story of your son back then. He was yeah. delivering hey. pizzas, and uh, yeah. absolutely. You remember the story of my sister-in-law from my first book? Uh, I'm gonna have to go back. Your sister-in-law. Never, gra- never no, went I don't to college. Remember. Graduated from high school. Went to secretarial school. Worked okay. the worked a number of crummy secretary jobs, so to speak. You know how they call everything crummy. Um, I don't consider any job crummy. I consider any right. job what you make of it. Finally, she got yeah. into the music business. She always wanted to do that. She got yeah. a job as a secretary at RCA. Okay. Yeah, she was a secretary. You know how many secretaries you talk to and they say, well, I'm only the secretary. Yes. Right. That's, that she never felt like that. She just, she did whatever they asked her to do. She was like Sylvia, but she was like Sylvia on steroids. <laughs> fast, it all goes fast, back to what you say. Is, is fast, just, for, is, is fast attitude, forward, by know? the way. Fast forward. My sister-in-law is, is now the president of promotion for Interscope Records. They just did an article in Billboard, I think, on the most powerful women in the music industry. She came in at number eight. That's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, and, and, and you know what? Stories like that. It's like, you know what? College graduates report to her. That's fantastic. Yeah, she Every job's a stepping stone. only jobs. Every job's a stepping stone and, 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 and a learning experience, and, and, and you learn if responsibility. If you use it as such. Right. If you use it as such. If you complain about it, it will not be. If you use it as such, every job is is just a step on the ladder to the next one. You know that's why I say, you know that's why I say the small business owners, and I hope hope your people are listening out there because I get so many small business owners that complain to me. Oh, why should I train these people? They're just going to leave and get a bet for a better job. <laughs> yeah. I say, well, that's good. So here's here's the key: if you never want them to leave, just hire mediocre morons and never train them. <laughs> Mediocre morons will never leave you because nobody else wants them. I said, but instead of looking at at it as the glass is half empty, let's look at the glass is half full. That as a leader, as a business owner, if you really train people and develop them, and even if they go on to bigger and better things, you know Mm -hmm. what that means? That means you have now, your business is now a stepping stone. Your business is now a place where young people know, hey, if I work there, I'm going to go on to bigger and better things. So now you're going to get a better quality applicant. Absolutely. You're going to be the place where young people want to work because they know they can go on to bigger and better things, and you're going to get the better people. Yeah, it's so true. So what's next for you then, Warren? I mean, what's, you know, 
where do you see yourself in another, you know, year or two down the road? I know you're going to keep doing your presentations and things like that. Well, anything I'm going else to going keep on? speaking. I'm going to, you know, keep doing my, you know, my videos, my Move Your Ass Monday videos. And, yeah. And uh, I don't know. I'm going to continue to write. I don't know about another book yet. I don't have anything mm-hmm. yet that I'm passionate about, although I am right. kind of thinking about something on personal responsibility, that whole Occupy Wall Street movement got Interesting. Me. Got my got obsessed. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, and, uh, know. and but also, you know, I'm I'm winding it down a bit, guys. I just turned sixty in October. Did you really? Yeah, we just sold oh. our house. We bought a townhouse. Uh, you know, my That's son's great. on his own in New York. My daughter's got another year That's and a great. half of college, and I told her I love you, M, but don't let the door hit you in the butt on the way out. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, with uh, kind of geez. winding it down, I don't, you know, I don't feel yeah, like killing myself as much. I'll continue to do some speaking just because, you know, right. me, I love being in front of an audience. Yeah. And Absolutely. I'll continue to write about things that tick me off because I love to talk about things that tick me off because there's a lot of stuff that ticks me off. Well, I remember one thing, Warren, was when we had you on last, I always remember this, uh, you didn't like how people always thought up excuses why they're not making sales. Uh, oh, it's it's yeah. easy to make a million. And I'm thinking today, what's you know what's something I can ask Warren about? And with, with the economy being so bad, uh, it, it's, you know, it's even easier for people to make excuses. Oh. Well, the economy's tough, and who's oh. going to buy? And this oh, is, my you know? God, that's my favorite. Yep. Yeah. My, you know what my favorite is? Here's my favorite, because I've been through it. I started selling in 1973 when there was a really bad recession. New York City was going broke. I was living in New York at the time in the garment center. My favorite is when salespeople say nobody's buying. Right. Nobody. Okay, the gross domestic product of the United States is somewhere around $14, $15 trillion. Someone's buying something. (laughs) If it goes down 1%, which means that we're in recession, there's still over $13 trillion worth of business out there. If it goes down 10%, which is a full-blown depression, there's still over $12 trillion of business out there. Let me tell you something. Salespeople stop during recessions, during tough economies. Salespeople Mm -hmm. seem to stop selling long before customers stop buying. That's yeah. what I needed to hear, Warren. My sales leads are lined up. I'm going to be making 100 calls today. You, you, you always do that. Guys, guys, let me, let me tell you something. Recessions are a great time to sell. You know why? Because most of your competition has given up. Great point, right. yeah. There might not be as many sales out there, and they might not be as big, but there's not as many people chasing them. That's so true. And, and, and it's a numbers number, game. That's a, and it's and a numbers game. It's a numbers game. And here's another tip. When times are good and customers mm-hmm. don't see you, they assume you're busy. But when time franchise interviews from Eastern Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia, you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.